Welcome to the Leadership Unscripted podcast presented by Hiring Strategies. The Leadership Unscripted podcast is your go-to source for all things people management oriented. In each episode, we discuss industry trends, problems, and more importantly, offer solutions. We are so happy you could join us. Welcome to Leadership Unscripted. I'm Kim Leifson, and I work with Hiring Strategies, and I'm a workforce strategist. I am here today with Tatiana St. Germain, who is with um, Great People Management, and she and I have actually worked together for Gosh, I want to say we've got to figure out this date at some point. I think we're at like 15 plus years or something. Um, We collaborate on a lot of different things together. So thanks for being here, Tatiana. Today, we're going to talk about remote work and making remote work. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I was going to say we're getting better and better at this. (laughs) Right, a little bit, and technology. Yeah, I I love I love working with people with organizations and help them on the 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 people side of things, executive coaching, advising on the talent side, hiring strategies and um, retention strategies, that sort of thing. And um, of course, this the question of remote work comes up all the time. This kind of added a new layer to to how we interact with each other in the workplace. Um, and the question often is, well, now that we're sort of back, we're over COVID, do we come back to the office? Do we not come back to the office? There's so many pros and cons. So it's an interesting topic. Absolutely. We're talking about it a lot at Hiring Strategies. We help organizations attract, engage, and keep top performing people. and going remote or staying in person and impacts all three of those things. Do we um, hire someone remote? Does that person want to work remote um, or not? Do um, when we're working remote, how do we keep our workforce engaged? And then once they're here and they're engaged, how do we make sure that they want to stay? So um, yeah, this is this leadership, we call this leadership unscripted because it really is unscripted. <laughs> we want to answer questions about the topic. And of course, today's topic is remote work and making it work. How do we make it work? So we really want this discussion to be guided by those of you that are here. So please enter your questions into the chat box as you're joining Um, And then we'll try to get to those, or we will get to those, because that's what's guiding this conversation today. But we want to talk again about remote work. Um, Some organizations and people have been working remotely for decades. I personally have been working remotely since 2009. My boss hired me back, and I had worked for him previously in a remote work position and he didn't have an office. So I worked from home, he worked from home, we worked together, he set very clear expectations for me. Um, And I was bought into the purpose of the organization and I was committed to growing it. 
Um, granted, the company was eventually going to become mine, so I had a vested interest in that. But I've been working remote ever since, and um, I don't think that I want to go back in person. There are times when I miss working directly with people, but I do get enough of these kind of conversations, Tatiana, where um, you know you and I talk, or I talk with my clients. I'm working with my clients, and um, uh, there there is there is a piece um, that is missing. But I think you can build that in. And that's what we want to talk about today. So I guess my first question for you, Tatiana, would be, do you think that you have to have a legal partnership or an ownership position to make remote work work? Um, Because I think people think that's the only way people can be invested enough to want to work remotely. What are your thoughts? Well, the ownership position um you take ownership of your work i think it ties back to the motivation everything you said now i wrote down said setting expectations making expectations clear having clear communication and not leaving anything to the imagination not assuming things is really key and also being motivated so you you can't just kind of hurt people into the workplace um, you know, in the office, you clock in and you're there. It's like you, you're captive audience or cap, uh, captive there. And so you, that means you're productive and you're performing, you're there. Uh, now you have to engage people at a different level. It, it has to come from within. Not, I, I know I'm kind of rambling, but in my head, it kind of makes sense. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? It's, it's well, the ties to the motivation. I do. And, you know, I would argue that I wonder just how much productivity we have when we're in the office. Like I know people, you know, there are days when our heads just aren't in it. Right. And we are uh, distracted at work by maybe something that's going on in our personal life, or we're distracted by the person in the, uh, sitting in the cubicle next to us or in the office next to us. Um, people are constantly interrupting us. So I wonder if, you know, there is this misconception that we can be and are more productive in the workplace than we are when we're working remotely. Um, I really do think that that is a myth. Yeah, I think so to a degree. I think it depends on the person. So both you and I are in the business of, of measuring people, right? Understanding what makes people tick. So different people have different traits. Sure. Um, and it was, a, I saw this on the blog from Wiley about certain traits that they've isolated over the course of probably roughly last three years. And I also have some um, experience with that. I've been looking into what are some of those key traits that we can measure in somebody's behavior, behavioral makeup, personality makeup, that makes them more effective or less effective in the remote workspace. And we find, of course, sociability, being extroverted versus introverted does play a role because when you interact with people physically and you're an extrovert, you get energized by that process of of social interaction. And those folks, super introverted people, really needed to be physically with people 
It was yeah. not enough for them to be on Zoom all day long and talking to people. They physically yeah. needed to be present and be around people to get some energy back. It's almost like um, vitamin D deficiency when you when you are when it's dark in the wintertime and you know there's not enough sunlight. They need that. That's their sunlight is people. Yeah. And so yeah. no matter how well the remote workspace is is positioned and people train and you have all these tools and strategies and Zoom and check-ins, those people still need to be recognized and they still need to have the opportunity to come to the office just to reconnect and get their energy uh, resources that are depleted back up. Um, Absolutely. Any other traits that you've noticed in with your yeah, clients? Yeah, I think... I think independence is a huge one um, because some people, and that's very different than sociability. Sociability is about the people. Independence is about the work. So when you have someone who, you can have someone who's highly sociable, but also highly independent. And what that means is they get energy from being around people, but when it comes to doing the work, they just want to go do it. I can, they can probably do it quicker and faster themselves. They don't want a lot of input. They just want to go get the work done. So if you have someone who's highly independent um, and the work is actually can be done independently, those people can work remotely pretty well. Um, and then they get their social from somewhere else. If, um, you know, in their off time, if they are low on independence, that means high on team. And they need that interaction. They need to um, bounce ideas off of people. They want to run things by other people. They want to make decisions together. It's all about consensus. Um, they want to win together. They want to lose together. And so in with someone like that, that's more difficult to do over Zoom or remote, but you can make it work. Again, it's how you set up your technology and systems to do that. I think that's easier to do than someone who's highly social and needs that, um, that interaction because it's an energy thing. And you can't get that energy through a Zoom call. You can get teaming through a Zoom call. You can build consensus through a Zoom call. You can do those things remotely. So um, it's, it's different and understanding who on your team is highly independent and who is highly social, I think those things can help um, in learning how to manage them and learning which environment they're going to be best in. And some people, it's going to be hybrid, right? They want a little of both. They want a little of both. So um, that one, um, I, I think also... Uh, how we make our decisions um, plays into that. If we need a lot of information and we need to rely on people to give us that information, then that might need necessitate um, more collaboration, which again, collaboration can be done remotely. It's all how you build that into your organization. So those are the ones that um, I've had the most experience with so far. Yeah, and I think there's never been a better case for assessments so we can actually assess people and understand people. Um, nice. That's where some of these fears among the management team might be coming from. Uh, my good friend Paul Falcone called uh, 
um, productivity paranoia. So I think ah. the managers who are shying away from um, from remote work or hybrid work, it's not that they're not flexible or innovative. They have this fear that they will not be able to achieve what they need to achieve with their team. They won't be able to achieve, to set expectations or communicate uh, well. And you you really, it's difficult to get to know, it's difficult enough to get to know people, your team, when you work face-to-face every day, side-by-side side with them. It's even more difficult to know people when they're working for you remotely. And so that's mm-hmm. why assessments have been, these past couple of years, especially, been very important, instrumental in understanding what makes people tick. Yeah, for sure. I almost think, and I'd love to get your take on this, I, I almost think that the remote work has highlighted the deficiencies in leadership that we have. Because it's, you know, when they're sitting next to you in your office, they can do the work and you can ignore them and pretend they don't exist and or not manage them well and they will, you know, do the work. When we have to go remote, um, it was almost like as leaders, I don't know what to do because I can't see them. Um, Whereas I think if you were truly getting to know your people and leading them well before, that transitioned easier to a remote situation because it's about building those relationships and knowing what they need and communicating with them and being able to um, meet them where they are, right? Does it, um, I often heard people say when we went remote, it made it much more difficult because I had to spend time with every single person, right? I had to call everybody every day to under, you should have been doing that in the beginning, you should be checking in with your people every day uh, to know what's going on in their worlds and their lives with the projects they're working on. That is the definition of a leader. And so I think this environment kind of opened this can of worms where leaders were going, wow, I didn't know, or I didn't, I wasn't aware I should be doing that. And now all of a sudden they have to do it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, it exposed, like you said, exposed a lot of the deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's we all like what we're used to. And there's this, you come to work and then there's this expectation that just because you're at work, you're productive and you're working. And everything just happens and you don't need to do anything or don't need to do much. Um, but now the importance of those uh, the co- importance of communication, importance mm-hmm. of setting clear expectations, um, mm-hmm. building connections, personal co- connections, and people, mm-hmm. ha- leaders have to do it on purpose, not by accident. And what we found, you and I talked about the, this uh, last couple of times, the uptick and the need in leadership development, I think, was uh, probably prompted by by this shift. because. Leaders themselves and then organizations realized we are deficient in all of this, that we, sh- we should have been training our leaders. So executive yeah. coaching and leadership development is definitely on the rise. And almost everything in my executive coaching practice, almost everything can be fixed by 
better better communication, whether it's right. setting expectations, what by when, and checking in often, um, to not being annoyed by the fact that somebody's checking in. It's like we gotta have an expectation that it's okay to check in. I have right. a remote uh, team myself. Uh, one is in Romania, one is in Philippines, and when they the two of them are talking. And they get frustrated. There's one is waiting on one thing and the other one's waiting on another thing. I'm like, you've got to, it's okay to talk to each other. You just have to talk more often. And so it's, it's a mind shift, um, a, a different mindset. That it's okay mm-hmm. to over communicate, if you will. You cannot, you can no longer assume that just because you think a certain way, your people on your team can read your mind and they can, they can do it the way that you expect, because surely they should know better. They should know how to do the work. Um, So everything needs to be kind of spelled out, I think, uh, especially in the beginning. Um, Providing just-in-time feedback. So the the whole idea of annual reviews or semi-annual reviews is pretty much archaic at this point. I was going to say preposterous, but um, it's definitely <laughs> archaic. The new generation, <laughs> you have to have those um, one-on-ones, the weekly meetings, um, just-in-time feedback, and course correcting continuously, almost daily, in the very least weekly. Because and the only way you can do that is if you're in communication. Exactly. Right? So yeah, see, basis. everything funnels back to communication. Even when when we talk about the concept of holding people accountable, building trust, building culture, how do you, everything starts with words. Words have power. So again, get the right words, get them out and and communicate. Yeah, for sure. I think a big part of this too is, you know, it stems from what we talked about a little bit ago, the the um, productivity paranoia, right? It's not having control, not knowing what's going on. Um, and it's fear-based um, instead of trust, right? Building trust, setting a foundation of trust. And a lot of that comes from leadership development. How do I build trust? How do I, how do I, um, be vulnerable with my team so that I'm building trust. And um, in order to learn how to do that, there are some people that do that naturally and there are some that need to learn it. It's a skill. And so um, I think that, um, I think that we have to remember that We have to know who our people are and know, do they need that leadership development or not? Um, Any high potential, um, et cetera. We've got to start, you you have to start with building those relationships, creating trust, developing leaders and all of that. Um, I'm wondering if there's anybody, I don't know how many people are listening right now. Is Does anybody have any questions? Feel free to, to pop in with a question. We really want to center this conversation around your questions. So we call it unscripted for a reason. It really is unscripted. Um, so Comments, we want to- maybe. 
right? Comments, questions, um, please jump in at any point. Um, what else, Tatiana, what else are you seeing right now in the world of remote work? What's hot? What are the challenges people are having? Uh, what are you hearing? Well, it's, um, I was gonna kind of organize my thoughts and uh, for, for anybody who's listening, um, in terms of what are the pros and cons, maybe we should have started with that, pros and cons of remote work. Yeah. For those who are trying to decide whether to grow a team and, and go more re remote or you the COVID situation forced everybody to be remote and now they're trying to decide whether to go hybrid or remote. I think, as we mentioned before, it starts with just being flexible and open to possibilities and uh, dealing with those uh, the pros and cons. But it would be helpful maybe for our audience to list that. And I, I would welcome the audience to chime in. In my, just off the top of my head, probably would say the pros for remote would be the, the cost savings. I have a couple of clients that moved to more of a shared workspace environment where they have just one small conference room and a couple of offices that people can come in and like rent, sign up and um, use on occasion. But everybody went remote and they doubled in size as an organization. Everybody's remote. Um, it also helped them to hire a variety of talent because they can now reach not only the local area, but also pretty much worldwide. Of course, that, yeah. repre that presents certain HR challenges because you have to be compliant with all the local laws and you know taxes and all that stuff. So that's a separate issue on the HR side. But it's probably driving HR crazy. Yeah, but there are organizations that can help you manage that. Yeah, so absolutely. I think if there if that's a barrier to that, then um, seek out those resources or give us a call and we can help connect you with those. But so I just wanted to jump in and say, don't let that stop you. Don't let that fear hold you back from going remote because you're afraid of what the complications of, of that might be. <clears throat> yeah. And that's a good segue into the cons of, this, of the argument. So the pros are pretty clear cost, variety, flexibility, uh, what are the cons? We listed some of them already, HR issues, uh, building the culture, connect, connect, connectivity, productivity, communication. But as we've already said, all of those things can be addressed. So the only barrier to being open and flexible to a remote workforce as a leader is within the leader. Yeah. Yeah. It's their own fear and their own, um, it, it's, it's change, right? What are we letting go of? Change. No one's afraid of change. What we're afraid of is what we're losing in that change process. And when we're so used to leading people in person, we don't know it, that fear of, I don't know how to do that remotely takes over. And what I think the message we want to give people, at least I do, is it's doable. It's just different. And there are classes you can take. There are, and again, I want to reiterate, I don't think learning to do it remotely 
is much different than doing it in person if you're doing it correctly. Um, so there are just taking some leadership development classes and there are some remote, you know, learning that's new technology that can be sometimes daunting for some people. It can be overwhelming because I've got to learn how to use Slack or I've got to learn how to use Zoom or um, new uh, engagement programs or account management programs or whatever. Um, I think those technology um, things can be a barrier as well, but that's all it's all learnable. It's all doable. And if you think about how you're going to come out of this um, with what you're going to learn in that process and how that adds to your skill set as a leader and a manager, it's all in how you frame that in your head. Um, I think that's important to remember as well. Let's talk about what there's some legitimate reasons why and when some organizations cannot go remote. So some of the clear ones is manufacturing, construction. I mean, you can't make widgets remotely, right? So our whole conversation about remote and hybrid workforce probably applies you know, to service industries and some of the industries that can use technology and work remotely and be productive remotely. Um, but there's certainly some industries that cannot, cannot do that. Um, what about in, in our industry, what about some of those training programs and, and leadership programs that used to be in person? I used to run a CEO roundtables, so all the mastermind groups and well, just like networking too, but mastermind groups that meet on a regular basis. Um, it, it was kind of difficult to open up in a remote space because when you're in the room with people you trust and you discuss personal issues, you you have this sense of a cone of safety. Um, so you you are a, a leap coach, leadership leadership acceleration program that you've you've been doing this for years. It's a twelve month program, but you've always been uh, in person. So people had to be in person and. It's my understanding you guys made the transition to virtual to open it up to other leaders across the country. Um, how did that work, the, this, this transition? And what are you experiencing as a coach? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it was in the beginning, the um, we were very scared, right? I think we were going through some of those same emotions that leaders are going through. It's like, well, how do we do this remote? Like this entire thing is about relationship. It's about teaching people how to be in relationship with others. It's about teaching people how to connect with others. And now we're doing this remotely. Like this doesn't work. Well, um, we made the transition. We just did it. We just took a leap and did it. Um, no pun intended. It's actually called leap. Um, and we, it, it works. It absolutely works. Um, the benefit to that is now we can have um, people from all over the country come to the, we can, it, it opens up our customer base, right? Because now we're not limited to people in our area who can drive into class. Um, so it opened up our customer base. Um, how difficult is it to lead a group like that? It's really not that different. Um, I would say the most difficult part is having hybrid, right? 
when you have three people who are here in the room and you have three people who are remote, that or 10 or however many you want to use, that's more difficult because how when you go into breakout groups, how do you get them to interact with each other, right? Or if you have one person who's remote and everybody else is um, in the room, um, it's not that it can't be done. It's just that it's a little more technical and you've got to really plan for that and think ahead. And I think that's the big difference. The big difference is you get in a room with people, you're training, you're leading, you're having discussion and it's all happening there. And you don't really have to think about how do I engage that person, right? Um, again, I think that we just weren't thinking about how to engage that person, which we maybe should have been thinking about how do we engage everybody in the in the room, even though they're in the room, right? Um, now we have to be intentional about thinking about how do I engage that person who's not sitting in the room? Um, if you have the entire group be uh, remote, then you can put people into breakout rooms and it the the interaction happens just as well as it did when we were in person. Um, do I think there are some people that enjoy the in-person experience more? Yes. And again, I think that goes back to who they are and how they're wired and are they a highly sociable person who needs that energy, right? You can you can get some of the energy through a Zoom call, but it's not the same. It's different. Um, and there are just some people who don't need that. And so that interaction over Zoom works for them. Um, so were there changes? Yes, the big changes were technology and being proactive in engaging how are we going to facilitate um, and get the results that we wanted to get in person? How are we going to do that remotely? Um, how do we do, uh, we were used to doing, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm losing the word, the big giant poster board on the wall, right? Um, flip charts. We're yeah. used to doing flip charts and everybody could come up and write on the flip chart. Well, now how do you do that in a remote setting? Well, you do that with a Google Doc. Everybody can get into the same Google Doc and type in what their thoughts were on the flip chart, right? It's just making the mind shift and learning what technology is out there and available because it works. It absolutely works. So um, it's more about the mind shift for the leader and the facilitator than it is for the outcome of the program. The outcome is the same. We're getting the same results. We're just doing it differently. And was it scary at first? Yes. Um, but once you do it and you get in and you just learn, it absolutely works. And I think in the hybrid situation, in the beginning, we were forgetting people who are remote. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. Like, oh, I'm still you're still here. So, but now I think people are used to it. So they do engage them the same way um right. and a mindful that, that okay we have people in the room we have people who are remote uh, one question though did you have to reduce was it wasn't it a full day event you in no. the, in person no before in person it was four hours okay. um and we did we've done it both ways actually remote we cut it to two hours 
um, at the beginning. And now we, we've done four hours too. And they both work. It's just, it kind of depends on the group and what they want and what, again, it's being flexible, right? Learning what our people need. And when we have that cohort, we have the conversation up front. How do you want us to, to do this? We can do this in two hour time blocks. We can do this in four hour time blocks with a break in the middle or, you know, or a couple breaks. Um, what works best for you? And we get feedback from the group. It's no different than we should have been doing if we were, when we were in person, what works best for you, right? Um, it really just depends on that particular group. We can make it work both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I think it requires some courage and trust on the on part of leaders and some work, some more in, some intentional work. But it goes both ways. I'm sure employees need to be committed and just like in your program, participants need to be fully engaged instead of checking their emails. It's not like they're listening to a podcast on the back on the background. Um, right. multitasking. They're, they should be invested in Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. We tell people all the time that um, they're going to get out of the program what they put into it, right? Um, and it's the same thing at work. You're going to get out of work what you put into it. If you sit back and just let things come to you, um, then you might not get out get as much out of it as you would if you were participating. Um, in per that's true in person just as much as it is remotely. So yeah, you're right. It's a two-way street. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, or yeah not, no, but... yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that's a good, I don't see any questions or comments. I don't either. I don't see, I'm not even sure um, how many people we have on right now, but um I mean, we don't we don't have to go the full hour. We can cut this off a little bit early if we've if we've um, uh, touched on what people want. Um, I think. Let's see. Is there anything else? You said something, Tatiana, that um, really made sense to me when we were talking earlier. You said you don't build culture by being in the office. You build culture by being intentional about building culture and you can build remote culture. It's just different. So learning how to do that. And again, being, you know, courageous and um, positive and trusting of your people is the kind of culture you want to build anyway in an organization. So you have to lead that by example and that means getting out of your own comfort zones and um, doing your own research and um, uh, making it happen, not waiting for it to happen. I think we got kind of lazy as leaders before. We were just letting things happen instead of making them happen. So there were some key things that we talked about today that um, I want to just kind of reassess before we sign off. And some of the things that I think are helpful for remote work are assessments, really trying to understand who your people are and what do they need to be successful 
in a remote environment, who's going to be um, more are likely to be more successful in a remote environment than others. Um, setting very clear expectations, right? I think part of not being fearful about the the para productivity paranoia was a great term. Um, part of eliminating that fear is setting an outcome. What do we want that person who's not in my office, who I'm not watching to accomplish today? What do I need them to accomplish by the end of the week? What do I need them to accomplish by the end of the year? Not what are they doing, not tracking every minute, but saying, if they accomplish this by the end of the day, I'm happy that they achieved that. And that's good enough, right? Um, and pushing on that a little bit to say, okay, maybe we need to um, be more clear in how we're communicating that. Um, so whether we're doing that through technology or we're doing that in person, whatever, just being clear about what those expectations are is really um, key. The other thing is leadership development and building leaders who can manage all of that. And then um, over communicating. Those were kind of the four takeaways that I think we talked about today that can really help set a stage for remote work being successful in an organization. Did I capture? Yeah. Did I capture all it. I missed? No. And even when we were talking about pros and cons, as we've discussed, many of the cons can be, uh, many of those barriers can be removed and addressed. And I think just um, for one more thing to add to, to the list of things to consider, I would say that the leaders just need to be present. Mm -hmm. Just be in the moment. Don't feel like oh, I read this book or I listened to this podcast or listened to Tatiana and Kim's conversation and I'm going to go and do this, but it sounds, it feels so difficult. It's hard and it's not natural. I really believe that every leader has their own path to being successful. And so, and every leader has a unique team, a unique combination of things and, and projects and functions that they're performing. So be mindful of that. Be in the moment. Don't try to push any kind of agenda. It's not a win-lose that you're coming into these conversations. Don't come in with a mindset that you, I'm going to come in and win. And that's my agenda. Come in to find a solution. Come in to, to connect, to find out more, listen, to understand. It's really kind of a fact-finding mission every time you talk to your people. Um, what resources do they need? Uh, how are things going? Whatever it is, just be in the moment, be present, be grounded, and be prepared to to change, to to learn something, and it might throw off whatever you were planning. <laughs> uh, be flexible. Absolutely, and I think a lot of that comes in that leadership development, right? You're going to learn by by training and learning about leadership. You're going to learn some of those key techniques. Um, about being present, about building relationships, about building trust, et cetera. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I still don't see any questions. So um, I just want to say thank you again for being here, Tatiana. Um, if anybody does have any questions, feel free to reach out to either one of us.
Um, my address is Kim L at hiringstrategies.com. Um, and Tatiana, if you want to give people your email as well. I'm at Tatiana at greatpeoplewin.com. Awesome. And I guess everybody's taking time off or cramming some extra work before Christmas, right? So it was a pleasure to be on your on, on this conversation with you again and um, look forward to more conversations like this. And happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. Take care.